Sonic States. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk number 211, recording live today, Wednesday, the 16th of March, 2011. Uh, We're streaming this uh, again via the wonders of Skype video. You can see all of us, hopefully, on the screen, as well as um, just me occasionally or whatever i want uh, but anyway um we'd like to say hello everybody to the chat room remember 4 p.m uk time if you want to see the live video stream and participate in the live chat too uh, sonicstate.com forward slash live at four o'clock uk wednesday uh, the the full show will be edited uh, audio wise and online via good mp3 outlets such as uh, youtube itunes and all of that kind of thing um Tomorrow morning-ish. <laughs> so, anybody... Uh, anyway, hello. Welcome, everybody. We'll start over there with... Uh, with. Oh, dear. <laughs> what happened there, Gaz? It's not going well for you today, is it? No, I, I, I can't tell you about the, the disasters that's just happened in here now. Oh, dear. Yeah, I can't believe what's just happened. <laughs> Does it involve liquid? It sounded like a computer hitting the floor. It could be wrong, though. Uh, uh, it's... Uh, it's just taken something. Uh, something's gone everywhere now. I can't believe it. Do you need some time? No, it's fine. I'll, I'll clean it up after. Oh, <laughs> right. Well, I'll start with you, Gaz. Yeah, Gaz is there in Bristol, um, uh, causing all sorts of chaos in his studio. Songsurgeon.co.uk, and I think you could probably, uh, um, maybe we'll we'll give you give you a few minutes to call in for a cleaner <laughs> at some point if, you, if that's what you need. But hello and welcome, Gaz. Thanks for joining us, and uh, I'm sorry for your spillage. <laughs> Yeah, we call it we call it a Steve in uh, you know it's in Steve Hillage village. So Steve Hillage village. A, the the studio. Just a bit of a bit of a Steve. Ah, uh, the Cockney's the Cockney studio rhyming slang. I always used to like um, the Oliver, Oliver Tambo, obviously tambourine, oh. and the Tupac. <laughs> which is the shaker as well. Uh, oh, that's good. how I use to mark the desk up. Mark the desk up in some kind of Cockney oh. rhyming slang, just to sort of you know, oh. keep, the, uh, keep it all a bit sort of vaguely interesting. Anyway, and also over there we have uh, Mr. Dave Spears in his little synthesizer grotto there. G4software.com. Yes. Yes. Oh well. <laughs> and <laughs> over here we have Rich Hilton. Hello, Rich Hilton. Rich Hilton, uh, of course, is the uh, studio guy amongst many other things for Nile Rogers, where he mans the controls on a daily basis. How are you, Rich? Very well, um, myself. But uh, grieving, as I'm sure we all are. Yes. Well, we. Yeah. Of course. We should under say. Hardship now. It's just absolutely terrifying. You know, every day you kind of see a new bit of footage where you just think, how, how can you kind of deal with that coming at you? It's just sort of terrifyingly kind of surreal. And uh, obviously, you know, all our thoughts go out to the people of Japan and uh, I hope kind of everything sorts out soon. But as as I've, uh, there's been some quite interesting thoughts um, posted and one was, you know, don't just pray for them, just go and donate something. So uh, that's what I personally did, yeah. just went and paid some money and... Um, and uh, helped out in any way I can, and I can thoroughly. I think there's all sorts of different organisations you can donate through, so I recommend that you do that um, at, as as quickly as possible and as often as possible for as much as possible. Um, so anyway, um, aside from that, um, life goes on, and uh, we're able to bring you through the marvels of modern technology all of this as you see before you. Um, so the first, the fir- one of the first. Um, Topics that I wanted to run by is going to involve me playing some video. So just uh, just hold with me one second. And this is going to be uh, an interesting concept. Right. Today is a big day. 
This is the beginning of Heap Song 1 and it's also a big day for me because this is the beginning of my new album. I'm going to be doing a new song every three months. I'm going to be writing and releasing them when they are meaningful to me, not three, three months or three years later. So, uh, so this is the day where you actually begin the album because you're going to be the seeds. You're going to be the ink blots on the huge canvas of, of endless possibilities. Um, so it could be anything from rustling leaves to wine glass to um, you know somebody's homemade saxophone. It could be the sound of you cracking a twig against a tree that inspires the whole rhythm of the song. So um, anything could work. Don't be shy. I mean, you can also, you know, upload drum samples, loops, or if you like. But I'm more looking for um, everyday sounds that will spin me off on a tangent and take me somewhere new. So I look forward to being here and uh, seeing what you got. Right, um, the extra extra ambient effects there, courtesy of uh, Mr. Rich Hilton. Did she did she choose that one just out of interest? <laughs> I didn't submit it. Well, I just this, thought of it now, actually. This is <laughs> actually video, this is an interesting uh, project. Imogen Heap, as we know, she's kind of very switched on, sort of online kind of gal, uh, very into her technology, um, is doing um, a new project, making a new record, and doing it sort of in a collaborative form. It's sort of, she's calling it Seeds, and the first day was her online at 6 a.m., 12, 12 noon and uh, 12 and 6 p.m., and she sort of garnered samples and all sorts of found sounds from various people to kind of inspire the beginnings of a song. And then throughout the month and, t and ending on the 28th, there are various other ways to participate in lyrically, uh, moving images, images of that kind of things. And also uh, at the end of the month, the song will be completed and sort of released on the 28th of March, where it will be heard for the first time by Tim Exile, who's the guy who did the mouth uh, synthesizer, for the reactor thing, very obviously very creative guy, uh, in real time for the, f the first time he hears it. So there'll be all of this stuff going on. And it just, it's like a really, it's a, it's a fascinating uh, concept for, an, for, for a collaborative, um, well, album, I suppose. I know, Dave Spears, did you, because you, I, I remember we, we were ch I chatting earlier in the week and you said, oh, is this, this going to be in the show? And it, it actually was already. So uh, obviously it's been on your radar as well. Yeah, it was really interesting. And I even submitted something for a bit of a laugh just to see if it even got played. Uh, and I don't know whether it did because I lasted about, when she was going through the bits and pieces that had been submitted, I lasted about kind of 10 minutes because I think, the computer kept crashing and she kept going off on these rather wild tangents and I had to go for my tea. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great, but yeah, really interesting. I, I, the thing that, the thing that I really enjoyed about that first thing when she was just playing through stuff is just seeing the way a sound kind of went bing. And she thought, Oh yeah, I like that. Cause that means this. And then another sound would she plug go, yes, these things all to go together. And then she plays some chords and go, Oh yeah, that's in the right key. I can, we'll use that. And, and just kind of hearing go, no, that's too, that's not loud enough or that's not high fi enough. And just really fast, quick kind of succession. I think there was something like 350 sounds, at least on the list that I saw. Um, 
just submitted during the first session. I mean, just tons and tons of sounds. And I don't know how well it went for her in terms of, you know, time and whatever, but it'll be, it'll be interesting. Do you think there, um, that there's a future, does it seem like a bit of a cop out or do you think it's actually quite a good and involving sort of way of doing things? I thought it was a really good way of doing things. I mean, she had to be careful on a couple of occasions because I think people had submitted sounds that weren't their own. Yeah. And I know a couple of people had submitted swear words and stuff like that, but other people have kind of done backwards choirs and stuff like that. And she was trying to explain, you know, if I use that and it belongs to somebody else, they could come along and ask for a thousand percent of the publishing and we can't kind of do that. So it was, you know, it was kind of interesting all around. Talking of publishing, (laughs) that was one thing that struck me as well. So these people who are involved, I wonder what, if they get anything there is something, isn't there, on a website about that, about saying that, that there is some sort of uh, royalty share for collaborators. Oh, well, that's great. Well done. That's Because I, 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 I didn't actually get to see that part, so obviously I've not done my research well enough, <laughs> at, which is, you know, par for the course. <laughs> Nothing changes. <laughs> I know it's an interesting idea, though. I mean, if she's using the mechanism, I mean, obviously there were some teething problems with some of the technology getting it all to work and stuff. At Ustream, um, which we've obviously had been at the... Uh, had trouble with ourselves which is why we now stream our own things i was thinking of actually just submitting something which says hey imogen we'll stream it for you (laughs) but i don't think i want to get involved in all that tech support stuff i know rich do you think this has kind of got legs i mean i'd be very interested to hear what comes out of it because it does seem that she gets inspired by the stuff that she's hearing well first yes uh to all of that i think i think it's a brilliant thing on a whole lot of levels first of all on the social networking age marketing level it's brilliant because anything you can do to draw your fans in to become part of the experience first of all to feel part of the experience which is satisfactory to most people but in her case she's actually getting getting them to participate actively in her creative process so there's an extraordinary benefit in terms of reaching out to the existing fan base in that, and it will create some buzz. And the reason it'll create some buzz is because you also get to see the fact that she's a remarkably creative and inventive sort of improvisatory person as she reacts to these things that she's hearing. Even when she flubs a note here and there, she's got a really strong sensitivity and strong sense of musicianship that she brings to all of these pursuits. So. I think it's a really effective and sort of brilliant thing for her to do, um, especially given the fact that she's already a pretty accomplished musician and pianist. So it's not that she's doing this out of some sense of being bereft of ideas. It's more, as I said, a collaborative thing with your existing fan base and reaching out to other people and letting them participate. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you're right, actually. I mean, the only thing that worried me a little, before I saw any of this, I was thinking, is this just going to be some kind of horrible, sort of smudgy, huge focus group where it all ends up trying to please all of these people and actually ends up with very little of its own personality? But I'm not sure that's going to happen. No, of course not, because it's her and whoever's working with her in that room deciding what goes where. It's, I bet you it works out great. <laughs> I'll bet you it works out great. I have enormous confidence in this. I was really impressed. It seems I like love she- the little piano thing, too. The interface they've set up online where you can click on the piano keys for different days' instructions as to what you're supposed to upload. And if you look at a few of them, she's got like one place to upload the video clips and one place to upload you know, sound snippets. and one pl- She's got this whole thing organized really well. Yeah. I was very impressed. Well, just using that... T- uh, 
the old web 2.0 we're probably we're probably at 3.0 now aren't we <laughs> well something like that yeah, anyway yeah no using it really well that 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 was uh, that is something that definitely works and also they're all technology partners so presumably she's getting uh you know sponsorship of some kind for that so it's not costing a lot in terms of bandwidth and all of those things and that's a brilliant idea mm-hmm. um, i was a bit disappointed to see that there were only a couple of hundred viewers on the 12 noon um initial one i, I imagine there might have been four at the six more at the 6 a.m one because of obviously you'd still get the people from the u.s who are up late but it made me feel very encouraged with our, the amount of people that we can get live in our little niche without being <laughs> – I know I don't look much like Imogen Heap and none of us really sound like her or have the, <laughs> have the, have the number of Twitter followers. But it made me feel quite sort of positive about um, what you can get in terms of a live audience, which is good. Well, it, it begs the question for me as to whether it's more effective as a marketing tool to your existing base or whether it's equally effective as a marketing tool outside of that base and whether or not – it reaches across that line because to the extent that it, it'll work whether it does, then people will learn from this. In other words, this will be an R&D thing. It's like the first yeah. iteration of any good idea kind of thing. Yeah. The next thing you know, everybody will be doing it in short if it works out well. Well, you know, the collaborative design thing's been kind of rocking in the guitar world for quite some time now. I mean, people have been sort of saying, you know, they get an artist online to sort of say, well, yeah. what kind of pickups do you want? What kind of, and that seems to work. I mean, our, uh, one of our reviewers has been doing it, and that seems to have go down really well. And for some reason, you know, the, the, the suits love it. And so that's obviously got a lot going for it because it means that they're going to get something, like you say, get something that's going to work for them. Uh, Dave, I, I, you, I, I can't wait till the 28th. Actually, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, it's quite an interesting schedule. She's got a lot of... Um, you know, she's doing a lot on the days where she was doing the lyrics and the music. It was six a.m., twelve o'clock noon, six p.m., and midnight. That's quite a serious amount of uh, of schedule, right? Yeah, she got an enormous amount of stuff sent to her. I think she said that she thought she would probably get about a hundred snippets or something. But I mean, it was like six, seven hundred at the was end it? of that six o'clock in the evening, and she was still going to do the midnight one. Oh, maybe that's why she did more because she had so much stuff to actually to deal with. Yeah, quite likely. Yeah, I, I'm really intrigued to know how this is going to turn out. And uh, like I said, the the process is worth if you can catch any of the live broadcasts. The process where she's vetting stuff is the interesting part. The sort of this is what I've been doing, and ra- she does get she rambles into you know it's it's not a particularly as focused when she hasn't got something definite to do and that's just you know the nature of her she's quite sort of scatty and 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 sort of flighty and that's good that sort of makes her the way she is but it's not necessarily the most compelling viewing but the ownership thing that's a very interesting idea of having your you know having the people who contribute and who like your music kind of contributing to that and a lot of it was down the other thing that i found was interesting a lot of it seemed to be down to what you called the sample that would pick it up in the same way that the art world can kind of you talk about a picture and if you talk about it well it gets noticed rather than the way it looks you know that sort of thing there, and one there was a couple what was it hedgehog huffing that i thought looked pretty uh, i thought she'd go for that i didn't listen to it but i just thought well i'd go for that if i was her <laughs> what did you call yours dave and what were they come on tell us mine was just a harmonic thing that i was mucking around with in rx2 and i just thought oh that might work she'd given it she'd come up with a key i think and for some reason that when she was playing the piano I just um, fired it off here, and it fit. It was slightly discordant, but it it was quite nice, actually. And I just thought, oh, go on. Don't just sit here and do nothing. Do something. <laughs> so I have no idea. And actually, I quite like that, that you can submit something, and you have no idea whether it will be used or not until right at the end. 
And then she talked a little bit about the idea she had for the track, wasn't it? And that was related to um, the tsunami again. And it was a guy on a bicycle, sort of. I think she'd seen some footage and it was a guy on a bicycle trying to kind of escape. And she was saying that how, you know, she wondered what was going through his mind and all that kind of stuff. And then I noticed after that, people started naming things specifically for those kind of sounds. So I wonder whether, you know, that was kind of a slight bias in order to get their stuff picked but interesting it is interesting the other thing's obviously interesting is she was discounting things that were really you know like grooves and things that were heavily already kind of done she didn't seem to kind of be going for that but also i mean the thing that struck me is you know there were certain people that she seemed to like all of their sound i mean it'd be a great way to get into a bit of programming and collaborative stuff if you didn't have a gig as well i mean if there were more people doing this kind of thing i was impressed i mean i i clicked through quite a few of the sounds and actually the, the standard was really good and really high. Mm. Go ahead, Rich. Well, it's just brilliant to me to think, get, to have the foresight to understand that people will clamor to get their sound on your record. I, I It's not, a, maybe I'm weird this way, but it wouldn't have been obvious to me going in. And I think it's really astute to, to notice that afore, beforehand. Because now, as Dave points out, you've got like, you know, hundreds of people posting in the first six hours and competing to get her attention and name these things. And it's really quite, it's great. It's cool. She's, I give her huge marks. It's it's also interesting about the whole way that um, content is becoming curated, you know, so there's obviously so much of this stuff. I mean, the same way that we do to a degree. I mean, not quite so much because we do a lot of PR things that are just kind of interesting news, product news. But in terms of, you know, this is sort of stuff that I find interesting. So here's like a list of of, of topics, you know, it, it, she's sort of curating sounds and then bringing them into focus through music, which is another interesting kind of concept. But anyway, um, I think the URL is imagine is heapsong one dot imaginheap.com. Um, if you just look for the hashtag heapsong one, you'll find it. She's going to do one every three months. And so that means, uh, what did she say? It was going to take 18 months, 24 months to finish the album. That's going to take quite a lot. That's going to be quite a long process. Didn't she say, I think it was a matter of not more than, it it wasn't three months, was it, per song? Yeah, she said every three (laughs) months I was going to do uh, one every three months, but not, I mean, necessarily just be working on it for three months in entirety. That's like working with us. <laughs> and any number of other people no, who kidding. are who are no, meticulous. I'm I'm they don't all take three months. I'm no. just kidding. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, do check it out. It's a very interesting process and procedure. And I haven't seen any of the other ones apart from the sound finding one. I imagine the lyric ones might have been a little more. Um, verbose by the very nature but there's i think today is images and tomorrow is videos so the idea is that you record moving images that are inspired by the word cloud that that come in for the lyrics or the sounds and all of those kind of things and i think that is going to be that'll be interesting as well we can send in videos of uh, various interesting things like the yeah. yeah what i like about this image and heat thing though is is that uh you know without the internet you know, it's a project that could only really exist with the internet. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's just a random object from my room. Um, um, I, no, I know, think you're right. I mean, and that's what yeah. she's, I mean, because she's got what, gazillions of followers on Twitter. You know, we've said before, mm-hmm. I mean, she, it's like 1.5 million or something. It's a crazy amount. It's a lot, a lot, a lot. 
There was a there's a project I was involved in a few years ago. I think we should try and bring it back now. It was called Song Race Song Racing. And what would happen is we would sort of uh we'd have a designated time where the song race would begin and people would all log into a forum uh for that particular time slot. And then what would happen is uh we'd have a, like a race who could sort of like uh, write, record, mix and upload a song in the quickest time possible. And the way we got around people already having a song pre-written was we would uh, announce at the time what the song had to be about. Ah, okay. So, yeah, it's a really, really good fun thing. And it's a way to sort of beat procrastination, really, you know. And um, I remember the first one we did, you know, the the the, the topic was architecture, you know. <laughs> and it's a good chance you haven't really got a song about architecture uh, waiting in the wings. So um, and what was nice about it was we said that, you know, once you uploaded a song, you know, maybe you'd win the race, but it doesn't matter if you take two weeks to upload your song, it'd be fine. And then uh, we just have a nice little album of songs about architecture. So, uh... <laughs> All right, that's a cool idea. Well, yeah. judging by the, um, the the rapidity that you you sent the uh, the Samson Go Mike uh, <laughs> jingle together, I, I imagine yeah. you were probably one of the first to get online. I was, I'm pretty quick. Um, my record for a song, r- writing it, recording it, mixing it, and uh, it was is uh, five minutes. <laughs> Whoa. How many instruments? Oh. Uh, I, I, I've got bass, guitar, drums, three backing vocals, and lead vocals. <laughs> How long was it, though? If it was five minutes, hold on. If it's five it's, minutes, if it's a three-minute yeah. pop song, you have to go through it at least four times for all of those things. But there was a lot of copy and pasting. <laughs> ah, okay. I'll, se- I'll send it you. I'll send it you. Brilliant. So, um, but yeah, John Van Eaton in the chat room says, yeah, it's like the 48-hour film festival. There's a similar thing where you get two days to make a movie, isn't it? That's uh, that's oh, always, wow. every time of year, it's kind of uh, quite a lot of people participate in that. I do the same thing on uh, Flickr. They have a street photography group, and every week you get an instruction, and that's it. Uh, you just go out and take your picture, and if you if you think you brilliant. can use any kind of back catalogue, you're disqualified immediately because obviously you have to date stamp it and stuff. Uh, it's okay. great. Hold up the newspaper, all that sort of yeah, thing. Gets me out. <laughs> yeah. Once in a while. Actually, yeah. that's something that's quite interesting. I, I'm, I don't know if, because I've, I've been checking out the, the iPad again with uh, Garage uh, GarageBand on it, which I have to say is pretty damn awesome. We won't perhaps go really? into it just now. But I found a thing called um, Flipboard, which is really amazing. It's like it, it magazinifies RSS feeds. So you end up with this. Uh, let me see if I can just quickly show you something. This is totally unrelated, but it's just quite cool. Um <laughs> And now that we've got video, we can do it. So, right, I'll just move this out of the way a little bit. So right here is the app. Uh, I'll just, uh, I'll click on, what's that? That's Sonic, I think. So now what it does is it takes, and it turns it into like a magazine with layout. It grabs the images from all the articles and just gives you this kind of, and embeds the videos and what have you, just from various feeds. It's just and it's a really interesting way of consuming what you're used to seeing on web pages and you can build yeah. custom yeah. mm-hmm. build what's cu- that called flip <laughs> flipboard and it's free <laughs> wow but that i mean for instance on there there's a um there's a there's a there's a um an earth you know a japanese uh disaster channel which sounds kind of quite more um morbid but it's actually not it's kind of a curation of all the news and all of the kind of articles and related science and what have you to do with this and uh, for instance there was a really interesting article i read last night which is all about so what is a new you know what is a meltdown what is going to happen what is the worst thing that can happen and just you know clarify it's just i mean that's just one example but there's all sorts of ways of uh, of using this thing it's very cool oh you got it 
<laughs> nice one, Rich. Anyway, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a killer app. That is. It that is. Yeah. It is. Pushes me into that final purchase decision. It is pretty cool. And well, the thing is, this this um, uh, iPad now lives with uh, Rich, one of our reviewers, because he's doing app reviews. But I just got it back so I could update the OS and uh, put the uh, uh, and put all the the other stuff. Sorry, I've just seen Mark Tinley show up in the in the chat room, uh, and and get all of the other stuff um, pulled together. But yeah, it's very cool. Anyway, I, I won't go on a bit. What we'll do is we'll do the ad, and then perhaps we'll we'll invite uh, Mark Tinley to join us again. So uh, we want to say thank you very much to our sponsors of the podcast, uh, sponsors of Sonic Talk, of course, uh, Yamaha UK, and they would like to draw your attention to mixers because obviously we know Yamaha do a lot of stuff when it comes to mixers. In fact. This is my Yamaha mixer that I'm running the show through. That's going to give me trouble. And they do a whole bunch of different kind of mixers. But they want to talk to you about uh, the MG series mixers. There's all kinds of models. I think there's 12 different models from an 8-channel to 32-channel. The latest generation contain sort of handy and unique features such as single-knob compressor, which is handy for uh, rehearsals or quick recording. Uh, You've also got uh, built-in effects to take the load processing off the host computer. Several of the MG range also contain integrated USB ports. 44.1K digital audio in and out, so they're good for using uh, in a grig or a rehearsal. Uh, USB models come shipped with Cubase AI5. So if in the UK, you can get along to a Pulse store, which you can find out about at yamahadownload.com. Click on the tab there, and it'll show you where your nearest one is. They're kind of stores within stores, and you can run some audio through it, check out the features, uh, and do the same thing in the US as well, although um, I'm not sure I can give you the exact coordinates of where those stores may be. I imagine uh, it's probably not hard to find online. And also, if you're more interested in perhaps the pro audio range some of the further up the uh, the food chain yamahaproaudio.com is the place to go so once again we thank yamaha for their continued sponsorship of the podcast cheers yamaha thumbs up from us <laughs> thanks folks right uh let's get back to another topic i've still got that going oh this is this is priceless now this is going to require another little bit of uh um uh me piddling around so just one second uh, uh, is that the right one réclamez à votre pharmacien blanc que note le seul dentifrice à base d'échalotes looky looky par Giorgio you ready folks nice mustard carpet there He's got a natural dancing ability, hasn't he? Piano is mad! Hey! Who's that jamming along there? Nice one, Rich. That was a chap called Giorgio with Looky Looky on a 1960s uh, television programme. And uh, that was actually Giorgio Moroder, which is bonkers, because that's so different to my ears, (laughs) to what we're used to hearing. Although, listening to the production on that, there was some awesome double tracking, which I've not really heard used that obviously in a record of that age. And I've never heard a piano riff going sequenced like that. There was, did you hear the sequence? Did you hear all of that? I mean, it seemed like quite an interesting um, bit of production there. Can you hear me? You're looking a bit puzzled. 
Have well, I that was it? great because you had this whole Elvis Presley ambience on your voice until you flipped the switch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got all this. I was tempted to start singing Elvis tunes. Uh-huh. I've got this. Uh, yeah, I've got a complicated routing system. <laughs> you don't say. But brilliant, eh? Wasn't that great? And yeah. his dancing as well. And he's still got the lamb chops. <laughs> but Dave, when I, when because uh, I think you might have passed this on to me actually that uh, you were sort of saying you recognise certain sort of Georgie Moroda aspects to that production even back then. Certainly, that really really syncopated piano thing that really did make me laugh. And God, wasn't uh, it tight as well? Yeah, very very quite bizarre. Although I still prefer that Russian guy. <laughs> yes, that was good too. Right, I'm going to go get Mark because I said I was going to go met, get Mark and then I didn't, did I? What's uh, Georgia Moroda up to these days then? Good question. I don't know. There you go, Mark. Oh, I'm feeling all sad and left out then. I'm sorry. The thing is, is when you're in when you're in Skype video mode, you can't see who comes online. You just got. It's, oh, it, I it's, figured that out. It's not no, as you it, can. Well, I can't. Because not well, the way I switch. No, yeah, switch, but I have to then. switch back to another. Because I, 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 I get rid of all the other stuff so that we can all. So I can. Because I'm streaming this whole window back out live. You see, so it's kind of right. I see. That's why. It's, yeah, you can't. That's <laughs> no, why I can't. So Mark Tinley, we'll just a quick introduction. Like Mark Tinley there, likebeing.com. I can just about make out a red tinge in the top of your hair there. Just about. <laughs> There's more grey in it than red at the moment. <laughs> 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 anyway, we were just enjoying the uh, the wonderful dulcet tones of uh, Mr. Giorgio Moroder with Looky Looky there. Oh, I don't wasn't that cool? It was, wasn't it? Just so stylishly kind of uh, retro. Absolutely brilliant. But, was, I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, listening to the production of that thing, it was so tight and so obviously kind of done up, made... I, I wonder what, what would he have used then? It would have had to have been... Two two track machines bouncing to get some of that stuff because there was double tracking. There was, you know, what would he have been using? Do you think sixty nine? No, it would have been an eight track maybe. Hmm. Four tra- uh, sixteen about, tracks. Know, maybe he could have done some of that piano with. I oh, know maybe not delays though because it sounded too clean to be delayed. Yeah, because the- loops perhaps perhaps he used uh, two lots of tape loops for the piano maybe and then just span it if because if you had it on a loop and then you ran a recording and then no it'd still go out of time though wouldn't it god the mind boggles i i I have a feeling that he was doing some fancy stuff because obviously he was he was really working it in the studio because it did sound i mean to my ears pretty advanced for the for its time or am i just romanticizing it rich yes yeah (laughs) i i don't understand uh it sounds like a room full of late 60s cats getting together and doing sugar sugar all over again in germany or something but i i i, I am quite nerdy in that um i listen to lots of music from the 60s and 70s but i really need to know what year it was from and i really sort of love to sort of uh hear things that seem to be more advanced than the year would actually suggest you know and um <laughs> For me, that's a big part of actually enjoying music, sort of, is like hearing it in a historical context, you know. Um, my my girlfriend doesn't get that at all, really, you know. She just hears it as sounding really old-fashioned. But I'm like, you know, but but listen how dry those drums sound or <laughs> things like that, you know. I can understand how she might not necessarily appreciate that. <laughs> so, um, I remember I was in a, in a studio and we listened to um, sheet music by uh, 10CC and we listened to it really loud. And I don't know if you're familiar with that album, but the the production for its age is amazing. And I, I'm absolutely 
baffled by how they achieved a lot of that, you know. I mean, I think that was a little, that's a bit later. That's about 74, is it? Uh, um, or 73 or something. But uh, I, know, think, the, I think that, yeah, but they had endless studio budgets didn't they i mean they had it sorted didn't they own the studio and then just bill it and yes. spend the whole time living there i mean because there was that thing yeah. we talked we talked about the production of i'm not in love didn't we where they made their yeah, own yeah. mellotron i mean you know yeah. that's kind of taking it quite far isn't it but yeah but um but yeah so you know it's i think coming back to the Giorgio Moroder thing it's very interesting to see the seeds of his production style sort of developing in a completely different context um yeah, very enjoyable, I think. Dave doesn't seem to have moved for ages. Is he still there? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm in. Oh, are you? Yeah, your, vi- your, your video's frozen. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's what it is. In some kind of... But it's actually semi- fro- it's frozen in a fairly flattering way. It's not a kind of gurning <laughs> face or anything. It's just you look like you're intently concentrating on something uh, at round waist level. Oh, it must have been. You see, yeah. mine been is frozen like he's having a seizure. Ah, okay, well... <laughs> Well, yeah, I was anyway. actually sitting here worried about him for a minute. Then I realized the video was frozen. Well, anyway, I've enjoyed that. Um, and that was, I found that on waveformless, uh, waveformless.blogspot.com. Jolly good, that is. Right, what else have we got? Oh, I've got some more video to play. Oh, this is getting very thrilling. Right, tubular synths, babes? Tubular synths, Okay, yeah. right. Chicks with synths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There we go. Here it comes. This is a cover of uh, Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bells. Synth spotters. We won't play the whole thing. Oh. Over 20 different uh, New York City female keyboardists playing vintage keyboards at Joe McGinty's Carousel Studio in Brooklyn, New York. Lovely sounding piano, that. Oh, this was good. The RMI with the card going in. That's the end. Now, Mark, we're back to you. I can see that, but oh, blimey, you've gone all upside down in some some fancy video dancing. <laughs> this one seems to have gone a bit viral, doesn't it? It's just kind of you mentioned the word synthesizers and girls, and you know, and there's twenty of them in this one. Um, instruments featured as a huge long list, and some of them just are real beauties. I mean, this, this I'm guessing all of this stuff is in this guy's studio. I don't know anything about it. Have you heard of this guy, Dave? No, not at all. No. No, I mean, there's a couple of things that I've already earmarked that I want that were in there. <laughs> well, now you know where to get so, them. Just got to head over and hack well, them. That mass, that mass row vibrachime thing, that was a kind of oh. add-on for an organ. I want one of those, and I definitely want one of those Jenko Celestes, and there's one of those going on eBay at the minute. Ooh. Oh, Celeste, ah. lovely. Um, uh, Will Gregory from Goldflap's got a Celeste. I think uh, it's a, is it a Yamaha one. Did Yamaha make them? Or Korg, somebody made, somebody, yeah, they're beautiful things. They're just, 
I don't know what they, it just strikes me that you know if you move aren't they are they made of glass just how could you move them because they're just like any sort of Laurel and Hardy sketch waiting to happen right there isn't there? <laughs> you've got all Elvis again have I oh right yes I'll take that singing. you can buy that on iTunes at the moment but that's mm-hmm. uh, that was filmed and directed by Amy Hobby and edited by Tony Zachowski Zachowski. But some great stuff. And you know any of those girls, uh, Rich? So you're in the in the area. They're actually all in my fan club. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know any of those. I don't know any of those girls. <laughs> They're young enough to be my daughters. Damn it! Well, no, I don't know any of them. Never laid a hand on her, Your Honor. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know any of those girls. Yeah, nice little piece though. Yeah, some lovely, yeah, lovely, lovely chords in there because I all I remember about Tubular Bells was it was it was like wasn't it it was um, it was Virgin awful. Records it was really yeah, awful absolutely awful yeah there's that too <laughs> um, oh, it was quite self indulgent oh it's great come on bless him Mike didn't he do what didn't wasn't Tubular Bells Please used on um, oh what was it used on the Omen or yeah no the Exorcist uh, the, Exodus. the Exorcist, Exorcist. Exorcist. Yeah. That's got to be a big fat check right there. On children's program. Program. What a strange juxtaposition. Used on a children's program and as a soundtrack as The Exorcist. <laughs> now, that's something that's got a broad appeal right there. <laughs> but yeah, great. I remember there being something on a children's program where they went to his barn and saw how he made it and showed us all as sort of six or seven or eight or nine year olds. Blue Peter, that was. I saw it. Peter, yeah. How to do all the overdubs and everything. And that was kind of it for me. I was like, wow, I want to do that. He had a white Stratocaster, didn't he? I remember that. And and was very shy. Was he? He's, Don't really he's understand. A, what... He is a proper odd bod, isn't he? I mean, he is, he's a virtual recluse now. He's really, um, he, he's not the most uh, socially. Did he, has he got uh, a musical background from the sort of, you know, came from a 60s supergroup kind of thing? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that... he, he played bass in the Kevin Ayers group. Um, and uh, yeah, I think he was a bass player sort of first, really, sort of, um, certainly on record. Is that, so is that your future? the bass player first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could count I, them on the fingers of one hand, the guys who start out on bass and don't ever play guitar. I started out on bass. You still there do. There you go. Take <laughs> off one right there. <laughs> Why, though? Why did you start out on bass? Because I started out on drums, and uh, I was useless at it. And then it was guitar. I don't think I would have gone to bass till I'd given up learning the guitar did you start on bass because there was a bass available no no i just absolutely fell in love with it when i was about 14 and i just uh yeah it's great you know it's like when you play bass playing guitar just feels like a banjo or feels like a ukulele you know playing bass oh great (laughs) have you seen those guys who play those massive instruments with like 10 and 12 strings on them with no frets uh well like the the those, all guitar. Those are, they, they're the, all my buddy. No, these are custom guitars that these guys build. They're all on my Facebook page. Uh, oh no, I no, I haven't seen that. Not on, to check that not out on the podcast. But uh, some of the stunning, huge, immense instruments that are amazing that are custom made, fretless, tons of strings. Mm. 
You want to talk about making what you're playing look like a ukulele? <laughs> Take a look well, that's it's like the um, the mariachi yeah. band, isn't it? With this huge ba- the, the the great big bass guitars. I see that you see them at right. Nam. They always have a really right. brilliant mariachi band at Nam with uh, like uh, three or four female singers at the front, loads of violinists, and then kind of a whole. I can't remember what they were called. Those guys. I think it was an all girl band, apart from maybe the drums, and and they just have those things that just kind of <laughs> you play like that because they're so massive. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, brilliant. What are they called? Oh gosh, I know. What there is on. a name for them, but I don't know what it is. Probably just that's a small, they that's a, often have round backs too. That's why they're out. They're way uh, out here. Right. I mean, you're playing it out like you know a foot away from your body. What's and that, guys? Like me, two feet. What's that, uh, guys? This, this is an Ashbury bass. It's kind of uh, actually just snapped a string on it. Oh dear, <laughs> I'm, having, I'm having a weird day today. Um, they got rubber strings, haven't they? <laughs> Silicon, <laughs> silicon strings, yeah. Silicon strings, and it's really small. It looks like a toy, but it is a beautiful instrument. It's sort of a two octave fretless neck, sort of, um, and uh, it's just, it just sounds fantastic. It sounds like a double bass, or it's just the the thing about this, which is wonderful, is it's just got an incredible fundamental to it. So the yeah, so. You have to play it, it quite it, softly, don't you? Because otherwise you, you do, go boing. Yeah. I play it quite soft. But it's a wonderful instrument to record if you're playing with a piano. It just goes underneath a piano beautifully well. It's a really, really, really good instrument. Highly recommend. Ah, <laughs> what sort of pickups has it got if it's got silicon strings? Uh, yeah, this, well, it's just like a kind of like a transducer in the bridge there. Ah. And, uh, so it's got a little active circuitry in it. It's quite a weak output, but it's got a battery in there and... Uh, uh, yeah, I was going to say it must be yeah. quite a low, low on the old output. I, output. Yeah, Sorry, I don't know where that came yeah. from. <laughs> but um, yeah, great thing. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm not sure what, what topic are we on now. I've completely, I've, I've completely lost track of myself. <laughs> We've done the ad, haven't we? We've said hello to. Well, it Mike, was Mike Oldfield at oh, one that's point. Right. That's right. But then we went back to the. the do you know the, the, that studio, Rich? I mean, that's a one hell of a collection of synthesizers right there. No, I've not been there, but there's a lot of studios in downtown Brooklyn. There's a lot of arts taking place in downtown Brooklyn. It's a very vibrant community, and uh, not surprised. I've never been to Brooklyn. I've been to New York. I didn't know there were. I didn't know there were that many young female keyboardists in New York. Quite frankly, that was about the most amazing thing. I mean, the gear was cool too, and the use of the gear. I thought the arrangement was well structured. I thought it was nicely laid out. The video was well synced to provide you with the right pictures for the moment for the audio. It was all really like nicely done. Well, I'm guessing if you've got a collection of synths and keyboards like that, you're going to have pretty much all of the (laughs) keyboard players and synth nuts coming to your place on a regular basis. But yeah, both of them. No, I guess the 40 of them. But yeah. And Gaz, would you mind holding this fine, precious jewelry for me for the rest of the day? <laughs> Seems everything you touch. <laughs> Just having one of those. It's terrible. I'm so yeah. glad you're not in the studio with me. Oh, yeah. You pick up a glass and all of a sudden the thing crushes between your fingers. It's like, look out behind you. <laughs> oh dear. Oh yeah, rough. Fine um, China. Well, uh, China. I suppose. I mean, we could take a sort of rather tenuous link from one level of prog rock to a sort of. Uh, another fine exponent of the art uh, and the uh, the ever ever pr- the omnipresent uh, Jordan Rudess and his wonderful omni hyperkeys. I think we should have a look at that.
have to say, that's a pretty expressive instrument. I mean, I did, uh, I think he's playing, that's Jordan Rudess um, playing the hyper keys, which is this kind of really mad instrument that's sort of a bit like uh, the hack and continuum, only in a keyboard style. So the keys all move front and back, as well as having velocity, and I'm guessing after touch. I don't know too much about it, but I do know it's Tripp's hyper keys. It's called a three-dimensional musical keyboard. Uh, it's a performance tool, mixer, sound design. Oh, yeah, they say, it says everything. Its keys move in and out as well as up and down. And it tracks both Z axis and the force of a key as well on a fully poly- polyphonic basis. Um, uh, he says later on in this description, it is instructive to compare the hyperkeys with the high continuum, but the membrane service, despite its useful deformability and the fact that you can squish it, um, gives you what well, he, he goes on to say, provides a player with only sound and finger bat, finger burn. <laughs> He's not being catty. I'm being analytical. Uh, it will cost you nearly 8,000 bucks, uh, and uh, there are 10 f- scheduled for completion in 2011. Now, that did seem very expressive, I must say. I mean, I liked all of that that whole kind of thing. And and Jordan, bless him, is obviously, uh, obviously up for trying lots of different musical interfaces. But this is something that, you know, we've talked about before, haven't we? You know, we kind of stick, stick to the, the old keyboards and guitar interface. Rich, you're a keyboard player. Would you be uh, interested in uh, trying something like this out? Do you think it would ha- add anything? I mean, or do you think it's just, you know, a doorstop? Forget about the price. Just think Up- about <laughs> Upon seeing this video, first of all, I'm hearing a ton of echo coming back. Uh, sorry, I got you. Echo. <laughs> Upon seeing this video, I immediately contacted Jeff Tripp because I want to play one. Ah. And did Does you get a response? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I got a response, uh, and it's probably he's going to get back in touch with me when he has some kind of public uh, place to. I, he would have brought one down if I could have created an event around it, but right. our situation isn't well suited to that because it's a private studio in somebody's home. Yeah, so it and it's out of town; it's not even in the city, so it's completely ill suited to that kind of situation. But uh, I will play this thing, and Jordan. You know, notwithstanding the inevitable onslaught that is about to occur, uh, I think plays it brilliantly and expressively, and I think it would be remarkably difficult to control this thing. Right. And I think being able to adapt that level, of <laughs> that level of technique. <laughs> sorry, yes, just made me laugh. Being able to adapt that level of technique to something that's that precarious both front to back side to side and up and down that's just remarkable and it would be a tremendous challenge i think to learn to play it yeah catch on not likely no i mean obviously that sort of pride do you think i mean what was it what is it about it that you kind of like the idea of i mean what was it that appealed is it the expressiveness or what it did seem very very expressive the frustration for anybody who operates keys for a living is that you're essentially a machine operator you have no direct contact with the vibrating surface at all. Neither are you creating the vibration, nor are you in contact with the vibration. You are actuating something that creates the vibration. And as such, any additional expressiveness that you can work into that playing surface is of interest to me. Whether it's going to be musically useful or not remains to be seen. But for example, in the 70s, there was a synthesizer by Yamaha, that I believe was called the SY1, where if you landed on a note and rotated your finger side to side, and I'm illustrating side to side, yeah, you would get vibrato at the speed you were moving your finger at. 
And I thought that was a terrific thing. And I couldn't believe they dropped it and nobody else ever picked it up again. And it was basically disappeared from synth uh, hardware from then on, as far as I know. But it, that, it just even that one expression level was really, really useful to me as a player at the time. And I thought, though, there's a lot of room for, for something to happen here. And now, you know, what are we, 40 years later and 35 years later, and finally somebody's done something about it. And now the fact that it's mapping MIDI messages means that you've got a pretty involved setup at the other end to make the thing work for you. But I think once you sorted out a configuration where each axis represented a predictable kind of thing, because I can't imagine having it vary from patch to patch um, as a player. But if once you worked up a, a, a workable scenario MIDI-wise of controls you wanted to generate from the different axes, I think it could be really cool. Mm. And I will now defer to my friends. No, no well, I, I think that's the floor back. No, no, that's cool. I mean, I know, Mark, you're not a fan of um, of of the kind of music that Jordan. Pro- <laughs> um, I just don't understand. Well, I'm not. I'm not not a fan of him at all because I I've only seen him demonstrating a few things, and he always seems to do exactly the same thing, which is play really, really fast, and play musical. Uh, intervals that I'm not too keen on, but that's not, that doesn't mean... He's a, he is a great player. I mean, there's no doubt um, about well, it. My, my comment more about the uh, demonstration was that with such a, de- uh, with such a, what's an expressive instrument, why go when you could have actually played something really expressive and showed how expressive you could be with it. And it just mm. seemed like, well, I, you know, I can just bend a string at the end of a run on a guitar and it's not very, I don't know. That's not the silence and kind of, you know, the, the expressiveness that goes into, into slower playing, I think would be a better way to demonstrate that instrument. Yeah, well, there, there are a number of different uh, pieces that he's he played on that. Um, oh, uh, I, I mean, that was the one that had the most expressivity in terms of you know the the, the most obvious bending and what have you. But so you know, maybe I didn't pick the best one. But fair. I mean, uh, I suppose I suppose what it does demonstrate is that whenever I've played any instruments that have any functionality like that at all, I end up with notes all over the place, and I prefer to play keyboards that I can, like Rich was pretty much saying, type on. So I'm literally, I know where the notes are, and if I press this key, it's going to play the right note. If I get on anything expressive, because I have uh, never learned that level of dexterity, I will just kind of end up bending notes every which way and end up with something that sounds truly horrible. So he did demonstrate, I suppose, that you can play extremely fast on it and play the right notes without being expressive and then be expressive when you want to be, but... I'm not sure that I could on the same. I know, D- Dave, I mean, you're a big fan of polyphonic aftertouch. I mean, this thing obviously has something even more than that. I mean, is that something you could see Yeah, entering definitely. mass production? It would be great if it could. I mean, I'm a big fan of the hacking continuum controller. I really like that 3D aspect of it. Um, but it's a very strange thing to play because it's it's quite it's reasonably spongy whereas this and in fact in in 
I do get a little bit tired of seeing Jordan Rudess do demos, but in his defence, from a developer's point of view, to get somebody that kind of fast and accurate is pretty interesting because you can see where the device could trip up and whatnot. I don't know whether that's what the developer was using it for and whatnot, but um, yeah, I mean, to map those things kind of dynamically in terms of the three, I mean, I love the idea of actually rocking the note. Yeah. And like Rich said, you know, I, I, did, I, I was lucky enough to play the GX1 and that kind of side-to-side wiggle was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and I'm amazed that that never caught on. So yeah, good luck, but it needs to come down. In yeah, I think eight grand is going to be a bit is a bit excessive. I I can't imagine why it has to be that expensive. I'm guessing you know. I think at the minute it's just a beautifully engineered piece of kit. You know, it just can't. They need to kind of shave some corners and get into kind of you know serious production runs. Mark appears to be opting out of the conversation, putting a placeholder, <laughs> rather innovatively putting a placeholder image in there. That's a, that's a, I like that, Mark. Um, nice, nice one. Obviously, my, my, my feeling with this thing, uh, obviously, is uh, it draws a parallel with, uh, with the Eigenharp to do with the expressivity. expressivity and, uh, but it's, uh, but it's and playable. Well, that, I, I think that's the, the thing it's got over the Eigenharp is that it's not reinventing the wheel in that, you know, your keyboard skills will directly sort of transfer onto it. Whereas like the Eigenharp does require considerable investment of time. And uh, uh, but, you know, in defense of the Eigenharp, having had one for a year, um, the to have that degree of expression really is very interesting and it makes software instruments just really come alive. Um, unfortunately, I haven't got it now. Just when uh, Omnisphere now supports polyphonic aftertouch, um, which I think would be just wonderful. Uh, but I think uh, having those different degrees of movement really is very interesting. Um, I think my next studio purchase is going to be the um, Keith McMillan soft step for this purpose, really. Yeah, you know, that's um, got the rotatey pressure, yeah, all sorts yeah. of stuff, hasn't it? I had a little uh, email dialogue with Diego Stocco, who's using one now, and uh, and he's very he's very impressed with it, you know. And again, it's it's that thing about expression. Um, and I'm using uh, I'm using this uh, uh, MIDI. Uh, guitar to MIDI tra- uh, converter thing, uh, but the problem with that is when you're playing, you just have no expression. So, uh, sorry, I'm totally hijacking this thread. <laughs> this thread here, but uh, um, but just to be able to have kind of different degrees of uh, of control, um, I think it's very very interesting. So I think the soft step, I'll report on the soft step when I get it. I'm going to order it next week, I think. Um, having different degrees of uh, expression, being able to map the different degrees to doing different uh, expressive aspects, I think. Yeah. Uh, it, that, yeah. That's exciting to me. Yeah, I, I agree. Right, okay, sorry about this, but I have absolutely no idea why um, the chat room seems to have gone. I think it might have something to do, because I, I boot it up automatically, and I think there's been a time change where the server is, <laughs> and I'm trying to just get it to go up again. But for some reason, uh, it's not happening. So, Mark Tinley, likebeing.com, thank you very much for joining us. You're very welcome. And Rich Hilton over there in Connecticut, where no doubt he's on to do great things in the studio with Nile Rogers later. No doubt there will be piano playing involved. 
Well, anyway, Rich, thank you very much. You can find Rich on MySpace. Uh, Hiltonius is his handle and various other places besides. And also, while we're here, we'll say goodbye to uh, Dave Spears over there at G4 Software. I'm surrounded by, I think I can just about see the 8 voice, the OB8 voice up there in the corner behind your, uh, yeah, there it is, underneath. Oh, and what else is there? Is that an MSQ10? No. Uh, I'll, t- I'll, I'll go wireless one day and take you on a tour. Ah. <laughs> Rich is doing a bit of headhunters there. <laughs> nice bit of Herbie. I've Using GarageBand. Really odd. Well, and also, thank you very much to Gaz Williams, songsurgeon.co.uk. Uh, look, maybe you, you should, what you should do is go out for a long walk and just leave all your technology alone. You've had a bad technology. Can you tell us what happened at the beginning um, with that spillage? Yeah. Uh, it sort of could, but I might get arrested. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> okay. I understand. Probably. That bad. That bad, really. Anyway, thank you very much for everybody joining us. That was Sonic Talk number 211. Uh, be live tomorrow. Join us next time as we do it all over again.